You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Bayshore. Good to see everybody. And hey, did, good, nice to see you guys. Didn't the band do great today? Let's give the band a hand. That was absolutely incredible. They did so amazing. And uh, this is such a great campus. And uh, lots of great things are happening here. Parking is a little bit of a problem. I had to park in Milton and walk in today, you know. <laughs> Just unbelievable, all the cars out there from Bayshore people, but we're so glad that you're with us today. And I wanted to start out doing something today. Uh, Wednesday was Joel's birthday, and, uh, and he's probably watching from Mexico right now. So on the count of three, would you say happy birthday, Joel? And, uh, and so on the count of three, say happy birthday, Joel. One, two, three. Happy birthday. All right, Joe, happy birthday. We love it and appreciate you and uh, love what God's doing here. Can you believe that $78,000 has been raised for the above ground campaign since October? And uh, that's amazing. We need to celebrate that. What that means is that you guys have about 320,000 compiled already. Uh, and uh, it's just really exciting about what you guys are doing. I want to say hello to the Fenwick Island campus, and I want everybody to hope it to give Fenwick Island a big hand right now. Thank you guys for being with us today. I have so many friends at Fenwick Island and also the Millsburg campus where I preach most Sundays. Let's give the Millsburg campus a big hand. All right. And then our online family, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, listen, I'm in a series at uh, Rehoboth, or not Rehoboth, but uh, Millsboro and Fenwick Island called Whisper. And I've been talking about how to hear the Lord, how to listen to the Lord. And actually, the title of this series is from a Mark Batterson book called Whisper, How to Hear God. And uh, great, great book. I didn't even know the book uh, existed until I started this series. But we've been talking at uh, Millsboro and at Fenwick Island for the last two weeks about how to hear God, how to hear God's voice. And if you want to catch up on that series, we'd love for you to do that. But today I'm in part three about how to hear God. And today we're going to be talking about how to decipher uh, God's will, how to figure out God's will. Now, there's a, that's a really, really tricky thing. But uh, one of the things that I believe is that if you are a Christ follower and you are following Jesus, then your primary objective in life is to, is to follow the Lord's will. And that's the difference between us and people that don't know Jesus. People that don't know Jesus sort of live like the uh, Frank Sinatra song, do it my way, you know, what I want to do in life. But when you become a follower of Jesus, you become a person that you're very much concerned about what does the Lord want you to do in this, in this life? And what does he have for you? It says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will direct your paths. And I could read a whole bunch of scriptures about the objective of a person that knows Jesus is to listen to what God wants them to do in their life. And so at the end of the day, you know, when I look at my life, what I really think about is, you know, I've got all these desires, all these passions, all these things that I'm interested in doing in life. But when I come to a big decision in life, 
I want to know, what does the Lord want me to do? Now, little decisions don't really, you know, God lets me make those little decisions, like what I was going to wear this morning. You know, I didn't have to get up and say, Lord, do you want me to wear the green shirt or the blue shirt or no shirt? You know, what do you want me to wear? Uh, you know, he doesn't care about that. Uh, you know, as far as what restaurant you want to eat at, you know, you don't like have to pray about it. I mean, what, what restaurant are you leading me to today? What one is it? You know, I ate at uh, Taco Rijo, the new Taco Rijo the other day. Other day. Has anybody eaten there yet? It is absolutely amazing. Amazing. And I ate at the new Agave restaurant last Friday with Karen, and uh, payments start on that meal, I think, next month. <laughs> Monthly installments to pay for that, but... But, you know, God doesn't, you know, it's up to you about that. But the big issues in life, where am I going to work? Where am I going to send my kids to school? You know, uh, am I supposed to retire? Am I supposed to move to Florida? You know, those decisions, am I supposed to marry Harry or, or Frank? You know, those are big, mega decisions in life. And I believe the Lord wants to give us guidance and direction on those things. A number of years ago, I was uh, fishing over uh, in the western part of the county. Uh, there's a place called the Red House over there. Uh, it's near Laurel, Delaware, and it's right on the Nanticoke River, this place called the Red House. And I was fishing with this guy named Richard, uh, and we were fishing for rockfish. I think it was in the fall. And we're out there fishing all day. It was such a beautiful autumn day. And we didn't catch one fish all day long. Not one fish all day long. It's still a beautiful day. But I remember that day as I was fishing on the Nanticoke that there at the Red House where this fishing place is, there's a, there's a curve, a turn in the Nanticoke River. And while I was fishing there that day, there was a, a barge that came by. And that was when DuPont's was still open over in Seaford. And this big barge came uh, that, to that part of the Nanticoke River. And there was a tugboat pushing that barge. And I stood there with my fishing rod in my hand, and I watched that tugboat skillfully maneuver that barge around the corner of that river and keep it right in the middle of the river. And uh, that was the highlight of the day, seeing that. And it was before smartphones. I would have took a picture of it if I had a smartphone. But I just remember that picture and thinking about how God is able to guide us through the corners of life and get us where we need to be. And so we want to talk today, there's a couple ways that we can hear the Lord about our, dire our direction in life, and I'm not sure how many we're going to get through today, but uh, one of the things that I believe, I believe that God speaks to us in different ways. There's not just one way that God speaks to us. I don't think God just speaks to us through, uh, through His Word, reading His Word. I think that's one of the primary ways that we get God's direction in life. We read the Word of God, and we study the Bible and all that, and we reach the, read the Bible. I read the Bible every day, pretty much every day, and I read two New Testament uh, chapters, two Old Testament chapters. I read a proverb and I read three Psalms a day. And I just, that takes me about 30 minutes, 35 minutes. And I just read that and I get so much from scripture, but I believe that the Lord speaks to us in different ways, even beyond scripture. But Anytime he speaks to us, we'll always be in harmony with Scripture. God will never say anything to us in any other way that would be in contradiction to what he says in his word. Here's what Mark Batterson says about how God speaks to us. To believe that God speaks only through the Bible is to handcuff the God of the Bible as the Bible has revealed him to us. 
Yes, Scripture provides our checks and balances, and God will never say anything that is contrary to His good, pleasing, and perfect will as revealed in Scripture. God still speaks in various ways, and He will when we'll explore those ways. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 says this, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets in many times and in various ways. So God speaks always in conjunction with His Word, but He speaks to us in different ways. So today, let's talk about the first way that God speaks to us when we're trying to figure out what we're supposed to do in life, what we're supposed to do, where we're supposed to live. Are we supposed to live in Rehoboth or Lewis? Or are we supposed to live in Millsboro? Are we supposed to move to Florida? Are we supposed to go to Georgetown? Are we supposed to go you know, to graduate school? Where are we supposed to, what are we supposed to do? The first way that God speaks to us is through internal peace. Through internal peace. Everybody say internal peace. Internal peace. I'm, talking, I'm not saying external eternal peace. I'm talking about internal peace. Inside. When God speaks to us, many times it's through internal peace. He gives us a yes inside or he gives us a no inside. I remember when I was uh, finishing up Bible college just after the earth's crust cooled many years ago. And uh, when I got done Bible college, I had a plan my plan was, Karen and I were married then, my plan was as soon as I finished uh, Bible college, uh, as, soon, as soon as I graduated, I was going to have in the parking lot at the college, I was going to have the U-Haul packed, I was going to get in the car, Karen and I were going to drive back to Delaware, and I was going to work with my dad in his church in Laurel, Delaware, on the western side of the county. And we had already talked about this. This was what I was going to do. I was going to work with my dad. And, you know, when I think about making, you know, figuring out God's will, you know, there's two things that we need to think about. We need to think about the facts and the feeling. The facts and the feeling. Now, we think, now, feeling, that is such a subjective, sort of like loser way to look at finding God's will. But you really want to line up the facts and the feeling. And the facts were that I had talked to my dad. I had a job lined up. I was going to work with my dad as soon as I finished Bible college. That was the facts. And the other fact was I had no other options. I mean, that was it. There was nobody calling me saying, come to our church. You know, they didn't know who I was. And so there was no option. But I remember in my senior year, before uh, I graduated in May, uh, I was home for Christmas and at, on New Year's Eve, I was at a church service and I was praying about my future. And I was thinking about, I was going to be so good to come back to Delaware, to get in the car, to have that U-Haul loaded up, to have Karen there. We're going to come back and I'm going to work with my dad. And I remember praying about that, and I was just kind of excited about it. And then I felt this little, this little uneasiness inside. It, it wasn't distinct words like, don't you dare come back to Laurel. It was this, just this uneasy feeling inside. It was like I had conflict every time I thought about that. Now, that was God's way of troubling my spirit to show me that that wasn't what he wanted for me. And sometimes God gives you that little uncomfortable feeling inside that the facts say, hey, this is good, this makes perfect sense, and I should do this, but inside I had a troubling feeling inside that that wasn't right. 
Now, one of the ways that God directs us is that he gives us that sort of, you know, you pray about something, you know, should I move to Florida? Should I, you know, should I take this new job? And the facts seem to line up, but then there's something in your heart that says that's not quite right. I was uh, accepted in a, a graduate program uh, a while back, and I, I have several graduate degrees. I'm very thankful that I've got to study. I love to study and all that. I had two graduate degrees, and I was accepted in this doctoral program, and I thought, boy, this is real. I'm going to do this. I love this, and, you know, and I've, I've always wanted a doctorate degree, and I'd like to have, actually, I'd like to have two doctorates so I could, be, I could have a paradox. So anyhow, I was... Uh, <laughs> Well, take my time for somebody to catch up on that. But, <laughs> but every time I registered for classes, I had this like this uneasiness inside that that was a no. That I wasn't supposed to do that. And I lost peace about something that made sense in my head. So you want to line up the facts and you want to line up the feelings. You say, well, Pastor Daniel, do you have any biblical evidence for that? Well, here's a, here's a great little picture in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there's this thing that the high priest would wear. He would, call, he would wear this breast piece, and inside the breast piece, there would be these two little things, two little stones in the breast piece called the Urim and the Thummim. Now that is, that is the breast piece. Now that's the Urim and Thummim, the breast piece there. And the breast piece was actually a, a folded piece of garment, and it has these stones on it that represent the 12 tribes of Israel. But this breast piece that has those stones on it was folded in like half like that. So there's a little, uh, there was a little section in the middle of it. So this would go over the heart of the high priest. The high priest would have this over his heart, and he had inside of that the Urim and the Thummim. Now let me ask you a question. Was anybody on the way to church today, you and your wife, talking about the Urim and Thummim? Was anybody talking about that? How many this week you have been really talking about the Urim and the Thummim? Just raise your hand. Probably nobody been talking about the Urim and Thummim. Well, these Urim and the Thummim, we don't know, scholars really know exactly what it is. But one of the theories is, is there's two white stones, there's a white stone and there's a black stone that fit inside of that, of that, that breast piece. And when the, when the high priest would need to make a decision, he would reach in and he would pull out either the white or the black stone. The black stone meant no, the white stone meant yes. And so, you know, and so it was basically a yes or no answer. How many know that there's a lot of questions in life that you can have an answer yes or no, and that works? Uh, you know, like, should you take the new job? No. Should you send your kid to the, uh, to the uh, you know, the private school? That could be a yes or no. Should you go to Bayshore? Yes, yes, yes. That's definitely true. But, you know, so, you, you know, inside... Of our hearts, there's like a black and white stone that the priest would wear this right over his heart. And it was called the breastplate of decision-making. So when he would try to make a decision for the, the land of Israel, should they go to battle, uh, should they cross the river, uh, the high priest would be consulted and the Urim and the Thummim would be pulled out. So that's a picture of how God directs us in life. God directs us in life by that, that black or white stone. When I was thinking about coming back to work with my dad at his, uh, at his church and I prayed about it, I reached in to where my heart was and I pulled out a black stone. So when you come to a major crossroads in life, 
When you come to a major place where you need to make a decision, one of the things you need to do is say, Lord, what are the facts? Do the facts line up? Okay, the facts look like they're good facts here. This is a good opportunity. But that's not all. Basically, in Western culture, we make all of our decisions based on the logical and the rational. But we're called to walk in a different dimension as followers of Jesus. We want to think about the rational. We want to think about the logical. But we also want to submit ourselves to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And you pray about it. And if you don't have peace, you don't have a white stone in your heart, you need to stop and not move forward. Because every time you resist and go beyond a, uh, a, a warning signal from the Lord, every time the Lord gives you a no and you force your way through and you do it, there's always a place to, price to pay. So you want to make sure that you're conscious of that white or black stone inside. I ran a red light one time. How many of you here have ever run a red light? I don't know if we have any policemen here, but uh, you know, I did run a red light one time. I was coming through Millsboro, and uh, there was a truck in front of me. I had an excuse, a truck. It was a high truck. I couldn't really see the, the light, but he was moving along. We were all moving along, and, and I'm coming right behind him, and I couldn't see the light. I just followed him through, and as soon as I looked up, it's red, and uh, I, was, I crossed the intersection there by Wawa there in Millsboro and uh, really, really eager, eager Millsboro cop pulled me over and uh, I'm sitting there and he had the disco lights going on and, uh, and I'm sitting there and he came up, you know, the cop walk thing, he came up and he got the license and registration, he went back to this car and he was back there like 20 minutes. I'm thinking, what are you doing? Reupholstering the car? Come on! <laughs> And everybody that I've known my whole life rode by and honked at me and waved at me. I'm like, oh my gosh. Of course, the cop knew I was. Well, Pastor Danny, you shouldn't have run that red light, you know, but here's your ticket anyhow, you know. So every time you violate that red light inside, you pay the price. See, God is wiser than we are. God is smarter than we are. If he says no, every no that God gives us is really a positive yes for us. Every time God says no, he's protecting you from the future uh, that you're not aware of. And I'm so comfortable in the sovereignty of God now. Now, here's the thing I know about uh, the Lord. I know this. I know that he has unlimited perspective, and I have limited perspective. The other night, uh, I came home from work, and I was a little tired, and, and uh, Karen said to me, she said, we are going to the Georgetown Christmas Parade. And, uh, oh my gosh, I am so tired, and I don't want to go. And so I said, honey, we are not going to the Christmas parade. I'm tired. I'm going to stay home and read. So we were sitting at the Christmas parade there, and... Uh, <laughs> And I'm sitting at the circle, and I'm watching, you know, fire truck, fire truck, fire truck. Anyhow, I'm grateful for the fire trucks. I'm thankful for the fire trucks and for the fire company. You guys do an amazing job. So. But anyhow, I'm watching the parade. And you know what it occurred to me? You know, the thing about a parade is you can only see what's right in front of you. You can't see what's coming. You can't see what's around the corner, but you can only see what's right in front of you. So when you're praying about something 
And the facts in your head say this is a good idea. Those facts are based on what is right in front of you, not what is coming up. God has a way, and because he's sovereign and because he's the Lord, he knows the end from the beginning, and he knows what's going to happen before it even happens. And so when I'm praying, Lord, I've got the facts, well, I've got some facts, but I don't have all the facts. Now, there's a great little picture in the Old Testament. Uh, when you read the Old, or not the Old Testament, New Testament, when you read the New Testament, book of Revelation, how many have ever read the book of Revelation and ever got confused? You ever got confused reading the book of Revelation? I've been to the Isle of Patmos where this was written uh, and out in the Mediterranean Sea. And so I went there to visit and saw where John in the cave where he got the book of Revelation. And I thought, I'm going to read the book of Revelation on the beach on the Isle of Patmos and I know I'm going to get a revelation of what this whole book is about. And I read the whole thing and I don't know any more now than I did before. <laughs> but there's some good stuff in there. And here's a good thing. John looks, John the apostle has a vision of heaven. And when he looks into heaven, he looks and he sees these creatures. And it says, he says in verse 6 of chapter 4, also in front of the throne was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like an ox. The third living creature was like a man. The fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around them, even under his wings. And day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy is the Lord. Have you ever wondered why these creatures are covered with eyes? They've got eyes in the front. They've got eyes in the back. Even on their wings, they have eyes, and there's eyes under the wings. Well, scholars subject, and they, they, they believe, that these eyes are a reflection of the attributes of God himself. That these, this creature covered with eyes shows that God is omniscient, that he knows everything, that there is not one thing that he does not see. That he sees everything. He sees everything about your future. He sees everything about where you're headed. He sees all the little factors that you don't understand. And when you're trying to make a decision, you're thinking, well, this guy, I'm going to marry this guy. He's handsome. He's rich. But, you know, the Lord knows he's a lunatic, you know. <laughs> and the Lord's trying to protect you. And even though everything, the facts seem to line up. But inside, you draw a black stone. Because you want to make sure that you want to have the facts and the feelings. And when you pray, you're praying to an omniscient God. And when he says no, he says this is not a good idea. And you don't do that. He's saying that because he protects you. And the Lord has a plan for you. He knows what he's going to do in your life. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't forsaken you. He may say no to this and you want to do it so bad. But when you wait on him, he'll give you what is best for your life. Can you say a big amen? amen. He always knows where he's headed with you. Now, a number of years ago, uh, I was up to uh, the Harrington Fair with my w wife Karen, and, and Willow was with us. Willow was a little girl. And uh, this is one of my favorite pictures of my grandkids. This is me and Willow walking, and uh, we're trying to find the car. And I'm with Willow, and she reaches out, and she grabs my hand, and we're walking along. And when I see this picture, it makes me think of our Heavenly Father, that he holds our hand, and he guides us into our future. 
And that's what God is doing for you. The only difference between me and God in this picture is I have no idea where the car is. <laughs> I have no idea where the car is, and Willow just thinks I know where the car is. <laughs> but when you put your hand in the hand of the Lord who cares about you, He has the capacity to give you peace, even though you don't quite understand where things are headed. There's been times in life where, you know, when I remember when I wanted to come back to, to, to minister with my dad after I finished Bible college, and God gave me that no in, in my heart in January, and I went to graduation, and I graduated, and there was no U-Haul in the parking lot, and the car wasn't packed. I had no, nowhere to go. And I just, you know, I just had to wait there in Pensacola. And so I'm sitting there, you know, after graduation, and I had to get a job. That was a fact. I had to get a job. School was over with. And so I was able to get a job at a pizza place making uh, skins for pizza skins. And so uh, one more Liberty Baba College student successfully employed. There I was. <laughs> and through the month of May and the month of June, I'm making pizza skins. And I'm covered with flour. I come home from work every night and uh, get a shower. And I'm with Karen. And, and Tim was born at that point. And so I read my Bible and we're, we're praying together. And in and, and July, nothing. I just go to the pizza place every day. In August, I go to the pizza place every day. I come home. I'm covered with flour. And I come home in September, all of September, covered in pizza flour. And it's just, that just, and I'm just loving Jesus. I'm serving the church. I'm a deacon in the church. Just serving the Lord, loving the Lord. But I want to, I want to go into ministry. I didn't study to become a pizza man. That's not what my goal was in life. And I've hated pizza ever since. But anyhow, <laughs> and finally, September, October, Finally, I come home from church one Sunday in November, and I walk in the door, and the phone rang, and it was a landline. How many remember landlines? <laughs> I had to walk over to answer the phone. And I answered the phone, and there was a friend of mine uh, that had been uh, called about this church in Delaware. And the friend said, hey, I, they wanted me to come be the pastor, but I've already taken a church here in Florida, and I told them they should talk to you. And so I called these people on the phone, and I came up to Gumboro, Delaware, 40 years ago. 40 years ago, last month. I came up to Gumboro. I had three sermons, three sermons. And that's all I knew, three sermons, you know. And so I preached all those three sermons. I went to visit everybody. And then I got a call from the chairman of the board, and the chairman of the board, a guy named Linwood Baker, he said to me, uh, well, Danny, you got yourself a church. You got yourself a church. I said, well, Mr. Baker, I've got to go home and pray about this. And he, that was a mystery to him because he knew I didn't have a job and he knew I was making pizza, so he thought I would readily accept. <laughs> but I went home and I prayed. And when I prayed and I reached into the pouch, I pulled out a white stone that said yes. And God knew... Back in May, when I wanted to go work for my dad, that he had a plan that I was supposed to come to Gumboro, and I was supposed to plant that church, and we were supposed to spread out over the community to reach our community. You know, God sees what I do not see. God sees what you do not see. Say it with me right now. God sees, God sees what I don't see. And when I draw... 
a black stone. It's really good. So you want to listen to your heart. You want to listen to your heart. Let me read a couple of scriptures to you real quickly to give you a little more basis for this, this principle of God's peace. Uh, look at uh, Colossians 3.15. Here's another, another scripture that bolters this idea. Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let the peace of Christ rule. That's a great word, rule. That means to umpire or to oversee. Let the peace of God oversee your heart. So let God's peace give you, uh, let it be the umpire, let it be the arbiter in your heart to help you decide what you need to do. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Say it with me. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. One more time. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Here's another one. Isaiah 55 verse 12. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. You will go out in joy and be, what's the word? Led. Led. That's a word of guidance. That's a word of direction. Led means God is directing me. That's a word of direction. You will be led forth in peace. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And then here's another verse, a very famous verse of Scripture, Psalm 23, verse 2. Uh, the Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. But look what it says in verse 2. He let, and the, let's read the, NI, the NLT, the New Living Translation. Psalm 23, 2. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. So when God guides us, when God leads us, when we're trying to make a decision about life, he got the facts. Make sure you listen to the facts. The facts are important. Do your research. Do your investigation. Do your thinking. Make your little chart, pros and cons. That's all part of the process. But at the end of the day, the last thing you do is say, Lord, I submit this to you because you're my Lord and you're my master. And because you're Lord and because you're my master, I submit this to you. And if you don't have peace in your heart, if you don't have confidence in your heart, that that's what you're supposed to do. It's either don't do this or it's either don't do this now. And you want the Lord to guide you in that. I remember years ago uh, hearing about this French acrobat by the name of Charles Blonde. And some of you heard me tell the story many times about this, uh, this French acrobat. In the early 1900s, he used to come to... Uh, uh, Niagara Falls, and he would walk on a high wire above the Niagara Falls, and he would he would go up there, and people would gather, hundreds of people would gather around to watch him, and he would walk across on Niagara Falls on those wires, and people would cheer for him. But Charles Blondin was so good that he could carry a chair across, or he could chair, carry a, a table across, and he could stop and turn around. It's amazing. But one of his most memorable things is. He could push a wheelbarrow all the way across the high wire from the U.S. side to the Canadian side. And he'd push a wheelbarrow across, and he would, he would ask the crowd, how many believe I can push this wheelbarrow across the other side? Too? You can do it, Charles. You can do it. You can do it. You're amazing. And he would push it all the way across and all the way back. And then when he got to the other side, he said, how many of you believe that I can push one of you in the wheelbarrow? <laughs> 
across to the other side. And everybody's looking down. Nobody's saying anything. Ain't nobody going to comment about that. Theoretically, we think, you know, God can do anything. But I want you to know today that the Lord can get you where you're supposed to be. He can get you where you're supposed to be. If you're not married and you think you're never going to get married, let me tell you something. You submit yourselves to the Lord, you delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. Submit to Him. And listen to His, His guidance in your heart. Because He's able to get you where you're supposed to be. When I was... Uh, Sitting in Pensacola making pizzas in that cover with flour, I thought, you know, the Lord had forgotten me. The Lord had left me. The Lord had forsaken me. The Lord didn't have a plan for me. I wasted three years in Bible college studying theology and studying Greek and studying Hebrew and theology and systematic theology. I wasted my time doing that. I'm sitting there covered with flour, but the phone rang one day, and it was his time. And your phone will ring as well. God has a plan for your future, and He's able to get you where you are supposed to go. Let me tell you something. God is able to get this church. He's able to get the Rehoboth campus where it's supposed to be. God has a plan for this campus. God has a building for this campus. God has a place of prominence in this community for this campus. You're going to impact this community. You're going to impact this community because God has a perfect plan for you, and you are all a part of that. And if you're glad you're a part of that, would you say a big amen? Amen this morning. Amen. And what I want you to do this morning, I want you to take your hand and I want you to put it on your heart, right over your heart, and I want you to ask the Lord to help you to listen to that white and black stone in your heart, that he'll guide you, direct you, and Barry's going to be coming, we're going to be, have some more worship, but would you just, we got one hand over your heart and I want you to lift the other hand in the air, and the Lord, as we lift our hearts to you, we're grateful that you're a God who is a director, a God who gives us guidance. You don't let us, you don't let us wander in circles our whole life. You don't let us kind of walk in confusion. You're not the God of confusion, but you're the God of clarity. So God, I pray that the Spirit of the Lord would be strong in all of us, that we would hear your voice, that we would hear the yes, we would hear the no, and we would know what your will is for us. And we thank you, God, for those that are at a crossroads right now. There's people here this morning at a crossroads, and you're going to give them the guidance they need. You're going to give them the yes or the no that they need for this decision. We thank you for your love and your mercy. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.